Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. It is really good to be back this week, especially after it seems like the first three weeks of the season. We didn't really get to talk about too much. Um, it was kind of a, a difficult time for for the Bears. And obviously this week, it's been kind of crazy, as it has been with the Chicago Bears for a very long period of this of this kind of tumultuous start to the 2023 NFL season for our beloved Chicago Bears. But we are here where we actually get to talk a little bit about the Broncos game, look a little bit about Thursday night, but then kind of talk about what's been in the news the last couple of days because there's there's no shortage of stories around our favorite team, Noel. And it's, it's good to have you here to be able to kind of talk this thing through. We were deciding to kind of have this show a little bit later on in the week so we can kind of cover all the different stories because there has been a lot. Um, we will start off with, I guess, the actual game. So obviously our last show would have been, I think, when we were talking about the Chiefs game last week. And we kind of ended that show talking about what we wanted to see from the Bears. And we said, even if it can be what we saw in the middle of 2022, where we kind of knew what we were going to get with the defense. We kind of knew that it was going to be kind of struggle city, but in the middle way of last year, there was some fun performances on offense. And that's kind of what we got to see against the Denver Broncos, at least for the first half of that game. We got to see, what was it? Justin was like 16 of 16 or 16 of 17. Cause he put in a hail Mary that they weren't able to get to, but he was able to throw for four touchdowns over 300 yards. And, everything looks really nice and then the second half kind of began and i don't know if it's to do with more of what the denver broncos were able to do and kind of notice what where the bears were getting quite a lot of success and or if it's down to what the bears were doing and kind of stop calling some of the plays or the style of plays that we did see in the first half but at an overall level what's good is we get to talk about some of the positives that did come out of week four. We did expect that the Bears should be able to have a bit of an uptick in the offense because you were coming up against the 32nd ranked defense in the league. So you would have expected that to happen, but still it's good to see that a defense that Justin should have been successful against, he was successful against, and he was able to throw basically almost like a hundred percent completion rate in that first half. So what did you make of it? I guess even just as a fan watching that game, what was kind of your main opinion when you came away from it, kind of looking back on what the bears were able to accomplish? It was great to be honest. I was delighted watching that because what we've got all season has been a nightmare. And finally, for whatever reason, Getsy seems similar to last year. It took what six, seven weeks before he kind of made a change and, and kind of change things up a bit to kind of suit Justin Fields. They've done it again kind of this week. The, the, the Getsy called, like, look, we'll give him abuse when he deserves it. He has had some terrible games calling plays this year. But he had a good game, I thought, this week. I thought that he'd done a lot to kind of put Fields in, in positions to, to make plays. But look, you, you mentioned it was the Denver Broncos defense. I don't care. If you watch Justin Fields, his, his decision-making was better. His footwork was better. His just mechanics in general seemed to be better. He looked more confident. You could see the way he was planting his foot and he was throwing. He was making throws quickly. Like, I know the Broncos isn't the best defense, 
but he was still getting that ball out quick at times. So it doesn't matter who you're playing. You know, if you're getting the ball out quick, that's what a quarterback needs to be doing. And for me, I, I just loved it. They seemed to have a game plan which was working, uh, and they were they were trusting the quarterback because at times it, it doesn't feel like they trust him. But this week, it seemed like they kind of went out of the way to to make sure that he was able to to get some plays in there that would benefit him, and and the whole team benefited in the end. So it was great to watch. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, I think talking about the second half, I don't know if Getsy done much different in the second half. I mean, I think they they had a nice long drive in the second half, you know, which is what you want when you're when you're leading. I think maybe the Broncos did probably adjust a little bit. I know Sean Payton was talking about how they expected Fields to do more of a kind of designed runs, which that's what they kind of came in expecting. So maybe part of it is they kind of changed up a bit at, at halftime and, and changed a little bit what they were doing. And then, look, unfortunately, as, as positive as the offense was, and it was really good, there were a couple of, of player errors, you know, late in the tour and in the fourth quarter that kind of caused the problem. But for me, look, you look at the season we've had, it's it's been disastrous. This is a positive for me. This is, you know... You've, you've seen the offense do better. I don't care who it's against. It's against another NFL team. And there were signs that things were kind of clicking a bit. Now, obviously, this weekend is, is a stare and a test again. Not in, like the, the, the commander's defense isn't one of the best in the league, but up front, they, they're formidable. And it's up front, which will, we have problems, obviously, with the O-line. So that would be a big part of it. For me, I just want to see this weekend. I want to see to continue that kind of football. It might not be as easy against this team with that, that, front seven or well the lads they have Payne and Allen and stuff up front there but still it was a good sign it was a positive and it was a sign that finally things were changing because Getsy for me up until now has been disastrous some of the playing calling I just didn't get um but he seemed to put his team in good positions this weekend and TJ Moore got a lot more well I, I actually probably didn't get more targets than usual but these ones he caught these ones you know he was able to to actually make plays it was better so overall i found a positive i want to see that continuing into the next game and that's what they need to do because at the end of the day we're still on four like it's still not mm -hmm. it's not party time yet but you know you take any little bit of kind of positivity you can get with this team at the moment because as you say on the field and off the field in other areas there's not much so you know hopefully this offense is at least a sign that that's starting to move forward a bit yeah, like I, I completely agree with that. It's when you're looking at kind of what the Bears have been able to do the last couple of weeks and what they were able to kind of at least put on tape in that first half. It was good to see as a fan. I I do think that the worrying sign is, I think, look, where Justin had quite a lot of success was against man coverage, which we know he's, he's very good and he trusts his eyes when he sees that the defense is in man rather than zone. And I think the issue that we probably had in kind of the second half was that the Denver Broncos did kind of adjust. They did kind of play more zone coverage than what they, what we saw in kind of the first half. And it kind of led to quite a lot of the, the checkdowns that Justin did go to, but look at the end of the day, if it comes out where even if there's a, a zone defense and, he doesn't trust the guys to kind of get open in that in that sense or what he's seeing is that somebody is covered and he takes the check down well then that's fine that's fine by me because the one thing that you can't do is if you don't think someone's open 
and you and you then make that pass and then it turns out to be an interception well then that's the mistakes that's a mistake that we have seen being made but justin does need to grow he does need to develop and he does need to kind of throw receivers open those windows are tighter when it comes to zone coverage but again it kind of comes to the bears you got to kind of call some plays that's actually good against a zone defense and this is one thing that i look at tomorrow night against the washington commanders like they like you just have to look at who the head coach is there right like they're gonna be prepared especially defensively they're going to call quite a lot of zone coverage against justin because they're gonna tell him prove that you can beat our zone coverage if they can that's where you'll see justin take that next step where you will see consistent performance throughout a game if you have a defense that's going to come up and they're going to play man coverage against the Bears offense, like Justin Fields knows how to kind of dissect man coverage defenses. But the problem is when there's a lot of pressure up front and then there's the zone defense, that's where he does struggle because one, he doesn't trust his outline yet because quite rightly, he's been sacked the most quarterback over the last couple of years, right? When he's been starting. So it's kind of normal why he wouldn't trust the offensive line, even if he does. And we see that there's space and there's time in the pocket. He's so used to having, well, if I don't throw it within three or four seconds, I'm going to get my ass handed to me, basically. Now, what helps this week is it seems like Tevin Jenkins could be back for this game, which is actually very, very good to see that there has been no setbacks up to now for him coming back, which is really good news because maybe it means that just during that window he was coming back and was actually healthy so when he actually has to play it, it does bolster that line which you want to keep doing because obviously it's tough when you don't have your starting left tackle like you're going to see Larry Borm get beat by speed rushes this year and that's going to be one of those times that Justin needs to feel that and that's those times where either he has to let it go somebody gets open quick or he's going to have to get out of pocket and run and these are things that I think with time he's going to figure out this season because you can't just make a decision based on what you've seen previously on the offensive line from 2022 and 2021. He needs to try and trust these guys out in front of him because he's going to need to start making some plays. Now, obviously if it does break down, we know what Justin can do. And a couple of times he did show that against the Denver Broncos where there was a bit of pressure. He got out of it and then was able to make a pretty nice gain. A couple of times he got whatever it was, 15, 20 yards. But what I do like about him is even when you see him now escaping from the pocket, before he actually goes upfield, he does take that last look to see, is there somebody out there? Like even on the touchdown pass to Cole Komet, he could have run that in himself like easily. But what he does is he sees Cole that is completely open after that so he just passes it to him and that's him avoiding a hit that he probably would have taken if he went for it himself in in the end zone knowing that his tight end is there available but also if you looked at i think it was the run where he escaped and went upfield by about 20 yards before he does that he actually takes another look and that's a kind of a mindset where he is trying to be the more like he's going to use his wheels but if he has an opportunity to pass, he's not going to kind of play that down. And that's one thing that I like. It's something that the Ravens have instilled in Lamar Jackson, where early on in Lamar Jackson's career, it was very much, 
I'm going to run the football when I'm back there. But now when you look at him, when he gets out of the pocket, he will do that. He'll take that last glance to see does a wide receiver get open. If they do, he'll throw it. But if they're not, he's not afraid to use his wheels. And that's what I've been asking for the last couple of weeks for the coaches, but also Justin is like, okay, you want him to be that pocket passer. He needs that to improve in his development. But also at the same time, you can't put a governor on a guy that is a freakishly good athlete. You've got to let him use his, his strengths. And we saw that against Denver. And I guess all you can ask for this week is that it continues, that we see him being able to use his legs, but also that there is a little bit more movement. Like we just have to go to the very start of the game against the Broncos. I think, what was it? The first or second play, it was kind of a rollout pass. And it was one of those very straightforward ones, not a defender on the receiver. And it was a a couple of simple passes. And uh, even just looking at what people were saying on Twitter at the time, people were like, that's what we were looking for last week. But yeah, look, I think there can only be positives to pull out of that first half. But again, when we go back to kind of review the entire thing, it's, it is a bit unfortunate because the two biggest plays in the game were two mistakes, right? Like Justin getting sacked and the ball coming out and coming out for a fumble and then the Denver Broncos score from it. And then when you have a chance to, whether it's get a field goal or try and score the winning touchdown, throws an interception or there's a miscommunication between him and Cole Komet and, these are starting to stack up that when it comes to the end of games, people don't actually like fans, I guess don't actually trust Justin to make the throws. That's going to make you in because over the last two years, we've had plenty of one score games and it seems like every single one has turned out to be like a mistake. And for me, I didn't feel confident when they were having the football there because of the previous mistake. I'm like, I feel like they went away from Justin a little bit in that second half and then to try and put everything on him to make a play. I could, you could kind of guess what was coming. And I think a lot of fans probably weren't surprised when they saw that that play where it did get intercepted. And that is something that the coaching staff, but also Justin needs to improve on, I think. Yeah, no, I, t- I think you're right. I think that is that kind of next step where we kind of need to see him lead the team down for a four-quarter kind of winning drive. Uh, it's it's obviously becoming a bit of a talking point now. I have a lot of sympathy for him on that that sack. I mean, that defender was on him. He he'd literally torn in the blink of an eye. That defender, they saw that coming. You know, they they'd run that play one too many times, and mm-hmm. and that defender just sold all out on going for the quarterback and. Like he obviously saw him at the last second because he went to try and throw it away. Should he have kind of just taken the sack? Yeah, of course. But I had sympathy that that split second. The interception, yeah. I mean, I wasn't sure when it first happened, you know, was Komet in the wrong place and did Justin put it in the right spot or vice versa? And it seems to be Justin, you know, Komet was in the right place and, and Justin was kind of trying something different, shall we say? And it just didn't kind of work out. Again, look, you the best quarterbacks in the league, you'll see those happen in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter when you're driving to try and, you know, win the game. Or As we say, Fields has a bit of a history of it and it needs to be kind of cleaned up. The intentional grounding was the one that got me. That was a big, big play. That that can't happen, you know. You're, mm-hmm. You already have the 10-second runoff or you give up your timeout and you lose it down. It's like, 
yes, he, he definitely has things to work on. But I think overall, for me, Sunday showed the talent he has. And I do, like, I, I genuinely think that they have wasted this kid over the last two and a bit years. I think if he had had decent coaching and being in a, a semi-competent team, you know, where they worked with him, because it's always kind of felt there's a negative for him. You know, they wanted him to sit the first year and Dalton was in. Then you felt Nagy got a bit stroppy about having to throw him in. And, you know, against the Browns, they put him in and they didn't change anything. It was the, the playbook for Dalton was the playbook for Fields. And that obviously wasn't going to work. And he, he had a tough game that day. And then it just seemed to, you know, that was a negative season. Then we come into this year and you kind of wonder, is he their guy? And or sorry, last season. And, you know, it takes seven weeks before they kind of start to actually work with him. So I do, I do feel sorry for him. I do think he has the talent. I think potentially on another team, he could be a very top tier established quarterback at this stage. If he'd had that right kind of setup. But Sunday showed to me what he can do. And when they do plan around him, like you said, Akiran, he's that dual threat. You know, he has the arm to make the throw. And he, he has shown, even against Kansas, you know, with the um, Claypool, was it Kansas with Claypool touchdown? Yeah. He, he can make that throw. He's shown last year when, at the Commanders game, we were at that touchdown. I think it was it the Pettis. You yeah. know, he can make all these throws. He has the arm to do it. And then, as you talk about, he has the talent that if it breaks down, you know, I think it was toward nine, he got that big 15, 20-yard run after he stuck in the pocket a little bit longer just to kind of see what his options were. He has talent. There is no excuse to not, you know, use this quarterback the right way, especially the way the game has gone now. He has everything that you need to have that kind of exciting, dynamic quarterback who can really hurt an opposition. But they just, they, I feel like he's never really got it. And for me, look, I don't know. It's coming to a crossroads now. Obviously, the team is 0-4. We have high draft picks potentially next year. Caleb Williams is being talked about. So I, I, don't, I don't know where this goes now because, I mean, at this stage, has Paul's already decided I need my guy next year? Chances are there's a new coaching regime coming in. And mm -hmm. they want... Justin Fields to be recycled into a third group of coaches working with him, or would they rather have theirs? And for me, I'm, I'm worried he ends up leaving. Maybe we draft Caleb Williams, and then you see Justin Fields in another team kind of explode because I think he has that talent. But look, that, that's kind of down the road for the rest of this season. What they just need to do is, is work around those talents, you know, make sure they kind of do they call plays and they put a system in place that benefits what he can do. And give them a chance because they, they need to know at this stage, look, we're on for playoffs are, are gone. You know, we're not going to win anything this year. So just do what you can to find out exactly who this kid is. And, you know, please, God, at the end of the season, we don't need to draft another quarterback. We can use those two top picks to put other pieces in place. And we'll have that young, exciting quarterback there. But it's, it's just going to be fascinating now just to see how this all develops with them. Because I, at this stage, I don't know. When it comes to the Bears, you just can't predict what's going to end up happening a week down a week from now let alone you know april but yeah just 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 make use of him. sunday showed he has what it takes and now the coaches just need to give him that chance he has the players out there as well if they can just use them yeah and look i just posted a kind of one of those questions that i think it went through my mind as you were talking there what is the best case scenario because i i do agree with you i think and I've said this over the last couple of weeks, so I don't want to kind of go on the tangent of the whole infrastructure of the Bears, but 
I think it's safe to say that there's going to be a new coaching regime. I think everybody knows what's going to be happening there. Um, so I think that's just at some point, whether it be in the middle of the season or whether it be at the end of the season, I still think it'll be at the end of the season because I think the Bears are very into respecting the coaches that they brought in and all that sort of stuff. So I do think that Eberflus will probably get to the end of the season. If it was me, I'd probably fire him. But it's not me because and for me, I think where this comes down to is what is the best case scenario for the Bears? And it's it's a difficult one, right? I've said this on this podcast for the last two years. Fields was one of my favorite players to watch in college. I have like I have an Ohio State jersey with his number on it and not his name because again, that's just the way it was for for so long in in college now we're starting to see like them get actually some money for for their likeness and that's good but then getting him to be drafted by your favorite team it's great but then ever since then it's like the bears haven't put him in the position and i do worry that if the bears do give up that he goes to somewhere like san francisco or he goes somewhere else or even i think someone said atlanta um like and he shows the league what he's able to do when he gets good coaching and that's where i'm like what actually would be a better scenario i want to kind of pose this to you now and i'm i'm gonna take this as like assuming kind of either eberflus is here or he's not so option a is let's say the bears get rid of eberflus or whether he's here or not but the bears actually start winning some games this year and then you do bring in a coaching staff that let's say it's a coaching staff that everybody is like very enthused over. I don't care who the name is, whether it's Harbaugh, whether it's one of the offensive hot offensive coordinators, let's say it's everybody's first choice when we start talking about these at the end of the season. And then the offensive staff is what we, what we wanted to see. And let's say the bears, instead of picking first, they're picking like third and fourth where they're not going to get Caleb Williams, but they're probably going to get some good players to be able to support Justin. Let's say a left tackle and maybe Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Just to just to throw it out there. Maybe they get the number two pick. And so is that a better situation for the Bears long-term? Or is it, or is it better at this point in time, the Bears keep losing and they get the first and second overall pick and they do make that change on at the staff level and then they do end up drafting Caleb Williams and they do this start again. Like it's, I think this is a genuine thing that fans are going to talk about. Like what's actually the best scenario? What are, what should fans be hoping for this season? This is normally a conversation you have in week 13 or 14. I know. <laughs> and we lose over the last three or four games. Now we're here in week four and it's a genuine conversation. I can never get behind losing out, and not from week four. I, I, I know I, I get the whole argument for fans who look. There's a certain player there who is a generational talent that boards get thrown around a lot, and they they mm-hmm. want to kind of lose out for them. I never can. It's just not something I can do, even though I understand the mindset. Look for me, my hope is Justin Fields. For and I know it's it's, it's he's two and a half years in. Is he going to click by now? I don't know. But for me, Justin Fields clicks. And you have those two first round picks to fix two other holes. Like if you already have the quarterback, that's what we loved in the last couple of years going into drafts. We thought we have the quarterback. We don't need to worry about that. We can now build around them. 
Um, so for me, I hope for whatever reason something is done right and he clicks between now and the end of the season, or this coach you're talking about comes in and sees something in him that you know what they've been using him wrong. I know I, I feel like I can put him in the right position, and you know, there's good parts here already with Mooney and Moore, and we have a good running game there. So I can kind of come in and, and put him in a position to win. Then those other two first round picks can be used to fill, as you say, a guard or a tackle or a pass rusher or Marvin Harrison Jr. So for me, that's the way I, I hope it works out. Well, I, I do understand people who say, no, Caleb Williams is amazing. We, we need to have someone like him in here. Um, but then for me, then you, you, you're using one of those on the quarterback and you're not filling as many holes as you could. There's no right answer, Kieran. to be honest. I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. As I say, because it's week four, I want to cry just because we're having, we're having this conversation, but it is realistic. Um, I don't know. I can't, I, can't, I can't get behind losing out from, from week four on, week five. It's the, the thing is, and I'll put this here, right, and this is kind of the way I see it is if Eberflus and all these coach and the same coaching staff is going to be here all year, I don't think the Bears are going to win many games. Like, I can't see three games currently on the schedule where I'd be able to say, oh, yeah, the Bears should win that. Because one of those games at the start of the season was the Denver Broncos. And realistically, if that was a well-coached football team by the Bears, they would have won that game. Plain and simple. Because when we come, and this is one that, like, I, I said it at the time when we were going for it on fourth down. And this is before the timeout went. And I was like, Okay, if you're not going to call the timeout, that's when you go for it on fourth down because you might get the other team in the wrong defense or the wrong personnel and you can get a couple yards. The minute that you call a timeout and you let the defense basically look at what you're going to do on offense, that's when you got to kick the field goal. That was like, ridiculous. It, it's, it's coaching 101. It's going back to basics. Like Everybody knows that you have essentially three choices there. And the Bears took, I thought, were taking the most obvious one where you try and get them to jump off sides by basically doing a fake snap, and they didn't. They didn't bite, so you took a timeout. Normally when that happens, in that position, you're going to kick the field goal because you then give the other team time to look at what personnel you're in so they're going to be able to have a pretty good defense there. It's different if they're like five or six points up. Well, then you have to go for it. But when you have the opportunity to take that field goal, you have to take it. So that's when I say the competent coaching staff wins that game. So when I look at the rest of the teams on the schedule, I can't tell you that they are better or they are worse teams than the Chicago Bears. Personally, I think the two worst teams I've seen play this season have been the Bears and the Panthers. They've been the two that have looked probably the most hopeless and that's why you hear all these rumors that the Panthers wanting to get a number one wide receiver does that sound familiar Chicago yes that was us last year right we weren't winning many games we we fluked one at the start of the year against San Francisco we fluked another against the Texans and then we were like okay we need another number one receiver they trade for Claypool they get rid of Roquan and the rest is history um so those are the two. So like against the Panthers, I could see that, but it really doesn't matter because you have their pick as well. So whether the Panthers are the worst team or the Bears are the worst team, it doesn't matter. 
But what I think is going to happen is, or what I, I think is the case is, if Eberflus and all are going to stay, which I think is most likely, we're not going to see a lot of wins. And we won't have to hope for tanks because we'll probably see just the worst team out there. And that's that's the problem, right? But if they do change it, and I do see a, I do see a reason for changing this. And I know there's been people that have kind of reached out to me and been like, well, who's going to take over if they, if they change it? And my response is always the same. Who gives a fuck? Okay. Because their offense is one of the worst in the league. The defense is one of the worst in the league. If you brought in someone like Lovey Smith here and it turned out to be the defense is still worse in the league. The offense is still worse in the league. You haven't lost anything, but you have kind of gotten, if the players have already zoned out the current coaching staff in Eberflus, which is kind of what it looks like, especially with this whole Claypool thing, because I think it's very obvious the guys on offense don't actually agree with what's happening, what the coaching staff is saying here and kind of alienating Chase Claypool. Like You just have to listen to Justin. Like Justin basically said he wishes Claypool was out there because he's another target. So that's where you have got, like, I would find it very, very unusual if you don't see guys like Justin and DJ talk about this behind Eberflus's back and behind the coaching staff back. And they're probably like, what the hell is going on? Like Chase should be out there as well. And I understand why Eberflus did it because if you are a coach, you kind of have to put your foot down. But the problem is if you don't have buy-in from the entire team or the leaders on the team, it doesn't look good. So if you maybe if you do change a face or two, um, that kind of might invigorate this team. I have said this since week two. I still think it's fucking crazy. We don't have a defensive coordinator. I don't care. Either you upgrade someone, you bring somebody in. I think, and this is why I don't think Eberflus is going to be here long-term. Because I think if you're here long-term and you know you're here long-term, you start trying to find or move somebody into the defensive coordinator role. By you calling plays and still not having a defensive coordinator and the defense still being really, really bad, that's where you're kind of that's where I think there's that big disconnect. But look, when we come back to kind of the question on what is the best case scenario, I'll be I'll be honest in terms of long-term building for the Bears or to try and get this team back to winning, the better case scenario would have been that Justin Fields would develop and you would have two top five picks where you could get, maybe you can get a left tackle. Maybe if Marvin Harrison Jr. was there or you get a dynamic pass rusher, that's the ideal scenario because you it would always be better that Justin would be the guy. It's like two years ago when people were asking, oh, is Tua Tungavailoa the guy for the Miami Dolphins? And they use all this kind of capital to get Tyree Kill to bolster their offensive line. They bring in new coaches that are better with offense, and suddenly they look like one of the better offenses in the league. In an ideal world, that's what the Bears would be able to do. But we are not in an ideal world because we don't believe in these coaches right now. But So it comes down to if the Bears do have the number one overall pick, and this is kind of where I go to, you need to pick the best player that's available in college football. And unfortunately for Justin Fields, the best player that's going to be available in college football this year that's going to be able to enter the draft is Caleb Williams. And if you are, unless you are absolutely sure on your quarterback, 
Like if you had a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen, or even we can talk about Tua, I think this is the point where you kind of just have to make that choice and you would, they will pick Caleb Williams or else you'd have to trade it for like four or five first round picks, right? But I think the likelihood is if the Bears have the number one pick, Justin Fields is gone. I do think though, if the Bears don't have the number one pick, I don't think that they're going to pick a quarterback, one of the other quarterbacks in this draft, because I think the closer that we get to, to it, I think the evaluation will kind of see the guys after Caleb Williams are fairly similar to the guys we just saw coming out with the draft this past year. And while we've seen CJ Stroud have some good plays, like people were killing him in the draft process. And we haven't seen loads from Bryce Young. We haven't seen, well, we've seen bits and pieces from Anthony Richardson, but I don't think anybody goes and looks at those guys and be like, it's an absolute stalwart franchise type quarterback. And I think that's kind of one of the questions that we have to talk about here. So in terms of, for me as a fan, when you look at this, the best case scenario is that Justin Fields would have looked good or that he develops this year and you see good things and he starts to take off and he starts to look like that guy we're all hoping for this year because it's really tough to go through another time where you have to get a new quarterback because newsflash, we always say it, rookie quarterbacks typically don't win a lot of football games. So you're probably, you're. we go into, let's say we get Caleb Williams, we go into next year praying to the heavens that the Bears have selected the right coaching staff that's going to nurture this quarterback, but which they have never done before. Around, isn't it? That's, never that's done where it. the Bears have constantly fall down when it comes to quarterbacks. They just don't have the, the, the coaches around to really you know help those guys develop. But for me, I think if the Bears have the number one pick, as I, I know I was saying, what I wanted to happen, you know, as you said, Fields being the man and then you can work around them. If they have the number one pick, chances are we have a new coaching staff in. I think a new coaching staff are going to want this generational talent quarterback, their own quarterback, because it resets the clock for them. Plus you have a rookie quarterback then on a rookie deal for the next five years. So you're kind of starting fresh. And I think, pro- I that, think that that's would- why I say, sorry, that, that's why I think the problem is if they don't have the number one pick, because that's when I think yeah. there's actually is a story because then it's, well, if they don't go, because look in the top five, yeah, I know a lot of people are going to say Drake May. People will say Shadira Sanders. Some people will say Phoenix Jr. Um, but at the end of the day, the top five players as of right now in college football you're probably looking at Caleb Williams. Drake May might get into the top five, but you're definitely looking at Marvin Harrison Jr. You're probably looking at a guy like maybe the edge rusher Jared Verse from Florida State. You're probably looking at uh, Fashion New, the left tackle from Penn State, and maybe Joe Alt, the left tackle from Notre Dame. They're probably the top five guys that are going to be coming up in this draft class, but you know for a fact the top two are probably going to be Caleb Williams and Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr., so my question is where this does get difficult is if the Bears don't have the number one pick because you know the team that's going at one is going to select Caleb Williams, but then there's actually a decision to make. The decision to make is do you reset it with a quarterback that, again, is not the best guy in your draft class? Do you believe that much in Drake May, do you believe that much in Sanders? Do you believe that much in Phoenix Jr. that you know they're going to be a franchise guy and worth missing out on Marvin Harrison Jr., who 
every Bears fan's been fucking talking about for two years. Or Olaf Ashenu, which, to be honest, I was hoping he was going to come out last year because I think that works out. And that's where I think it's going to be really, really good. And I want to kind of bring up this comment because it kind of goes through it. Here on look at the Texans, Stroud, a rookie is looking great. Rookie quarterback on a team that was terrible last year turned around quick. Yes, I agree. And that's why I say this is where the draft does does help. What did the Texans have last year? Two top picks where they got arguably the best edge rusher in the draft and they got a top two quarterback. I always said it was Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. And I did say kind of during the draft process that I thought CJ Stroud was the best quarterback in that draft class. Um, but the thing is, it has to be perfect. It has to work, right? Like if we let, like, let's say you do get the first overall pick and everyone would be in agreement that, okay, from the minute that you get that first overall pick, you're like, okay, Caleb Williams is going to be a Chicago bear. You better fucking hope that when you get rid of Justin Fields, that he's not going to be a superstar somewhere else or that somebody else doesn't do it. Because even if Caleb Williams is good for you, all the stories that will come out will be like, the Bears don't know how to nurture a young quarterback. They can't put the infrastructure in place because the minute that Justin Fields left, he has looked great on this other team. Or let's say Justin isn't the guy and he goes somewhere else and he looks the same, but then you draft Caleb Williams and then it's up and down. What's the, What are the stories going to be that – the Bears still don't know how to nurture a, a rising star type quarterback. And that's why I say when it comes to this, the most perfect scenario is that you get the coaching staff stuff figured out and get that right. If you have a coaching staff that everyone can believe in, that they know are going to put young players in a position to be successful, that's option A. Then you can decide what you want to do at quarterback. I think the conversation's easy if the Bears have the number one overall pick. I don't think it's quite as easy if they have two and six or two and five because after after Caleb Williams, I don't think it's going to be this obvious selection. I think it's going to be like what we saw this past year where some people had CJ Stroud at the top. Some people had Bryce Young at the top. Some people had Anthony Richardson at the top. Some people had the other – I can't remember what the other kid's name was now um, – who went to the Titans. Anyway, some had him at the top, and that's what I think is going to happen after Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is very straightforward. Everybody knows he's going to be the number one pick. Kind so of feels Bears... to me like the, the Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields here. Trevor yeah. Lawrence was kind of that. You know, everyone knew Trevor Lawrence, and then it was kind of, there were stories about the other guys. They could go either way after San- kind of Lawrence. Sanders is, Sanders is like a more... I guess a more higher profile Trey Lance, right? Like mm-hmm. Trey Lance had this amazing year at North Dakota State, but then obviously with COVID and all that sort of stuff, didn't get to play a lot. Obviously, Sanders following his dad kind of going to Colorado. Like that obviously this year has been fantastic there. But again, it's not like you've been playing at a big program for your entire collegiate career, right? Dre, look, this is I completely agree. I like Drake May, but we know what the story is going to be. He hasn't played a lot and he plays for North Carolina, right? We've seen this rodeo before. Now, you shouldn't use the past to predict the future, but what I'm saying is like after Caleb Williams, who everybody is in kind of the, and again, there'll be these conversations in the draft rooms of all the different teams. 
after Caleb Williams, there will be this conversation of who's the best after that. And what the Bears have to do is they then have to see, okay, if we have the second overall pick and Caleb Williams is going to be going number one, does it benefit our franchise more to, we've got this new great coaching staff in place. Does it make more sense for us to still stick it with Justin and draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and draft Fashion New as a left tackle and a wide receiver and you build through that offense if you have a new offensive staff and all this sort of stuff? Or do you take a risk with guys that maybe not everybody in the building is completely sold on? Because I think that's probably what's going to happen here. After Caleb, there's going to be conversation like who's the next best guy. And that's where, that's where I think this whole conversation gets a little murky, where it's kind of obvious if the Bears do get number one, you either, if you believe in Justin Fields enough, you trade the pick, or if you don't believe in Justin Fields, you take Caleb. But I think where Ryan Post is going to have a bit of a problem is, let's say the Bears do win three or four games this year, let's say the Panthers do win three or four games and it's just enough for like the second and third picks. What the hell do you do at that point? I, and this is what I've said the whole time and why I hate the way the bears did things, why they should have got a GM and why they should have got a coach one year earlier, because if you knew you were in the market for a young quarterback, you should have lined everything up together. And they didn't do that. So, at the end of the day, you can, you can kind of go through whatever way you want to do it. I would prefer if they're going to get a new coaching staff and they want their quarterback and they don't want Justin, cool, go get a guy. But again, it has to work. But th- that, that's what it'll come if, down to, though, won't it? Whoever, if the new coaching staff are going to work with polls and chances are they will possibly want their own guy to come in as you say and kind of start as you said they're doing it the wrong way getting the quarterback in force and then bring they'll probably want to have the coaching staff in then they'll have their input on potentially their quarterback and chances are it'll work from there i think anyway so i don't know it's it's just it's one of those things again it's it's week five and we have to talk about it but that's that's the problem you just don't know what way it's going to go we shouldn't be talking about this at this stage of the season, like this is one where it's like week 10 or week 11, you're like, ah, we're completely out. And then you start looking at the other teams that are kind of around you, right? Like this is shit to have to talk about at this point in time. But it's, it's the genuine conversation because it's not very, it's not very usual where we talk about a week five and we're like, if the bears lose, is the coaching staff getting fired or is the head coach getting fired? But that's a genuine question here. Right, like that, and that's the thing. And look, I'm gonna pull up a couple of comments here. So I'm gonna go to this one. No set of circumstances where you pass on Caleb. Yeah, that's very, very true. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think any team would, unless it's a team that has like a superstar already. So I agree with this. This I don't agree on just yet because again, I want to see another this season out of May because. If we look at them from now, we're kind of comparing similar kind of things and what we saw with, with Mitch. And I liked what I saw from Mitch in college. I like what I've seen from May. I just want to let this season play out on May. I think he's going to be a good player. But 
you still have to wait and and see. But then again, if you get number two, do you take May or do you take Marvin Harrison Jr., who, like I said, all Bears fans have been going crazy about for two years? So again, that's that's another one here. Um, but yeah, look, I think at the end of the day here, these these conversations are only happening at this point because we have been this bad. And you start 0-4. And only a team that starts... There's no other team in the league right now. Maybe the Cardinals are the only one because everyone thought they were going to tank. That you'd be talking about your head coach getting fired after week five, talking about the draft. Like Typically, other teams aren't talking about this until week 10, week 11, week 12, when the season's kind of coming into that last stage. With us... Obviously, this became a big story today because what was it? Peter King spoke about that. He said that it's a very, it's a very real possibility if the Bears lose tomorrow night that Matt Eberflus could be gone. Now, I still think it's, I still think that it's hard to believe until it actually happens because the Bears for have told us time and time again they don't fire head coaches mid-season because. It's kind of more of a respect thing. And like at that point, what do you have to lose? Now, we saw how bad it got under Tressman, where like players just like completely ignored him. Like, unless it's getting to really, really bad levels, I still don't think they're going to get fired. Like, we as fans would like it to happen because we want to see change. We want to see our football team and enjoy it. Right. But at the end of the day, I just don't think that it's very likely. And I think it would change the precedent or how people might view this organization if they did. Because I think if it was a different organization and the things that have gone on within the building this year and on the field, I think they would get rid of a head coach at this at this juncture. But again, we've seen the past. We've seen kind of circus shows come in here before. None that have ever gone on a 15-game losing streak which is, again, if at what point if you get past this mini buy and you lose again and then you lose another one, you've lost the full season. Is is that the breaking point? I don't know. That's that's the worry, I think, as a fan, right? That we know nothing looks to be getting genuinely better with this coaching staff, but also we know this organization doesn't like to get rid of coaches during the season. And I think this will come down to if it's ownership's decision or if it's football ops decision. I think if it's football ops decision, maybe they do make a change. Because if they see that a team is not buying into what a head head coach is saying, maybe they want to try and change things. Or, But I do think that if they do wait to the end of the season, that's just the way the McCaskies have always done it. And until we can be sure that like Warren is really making all the decisions, I don't think we can assume that even if the Bears get blown out on Thursday night, that they're going to make a change because they, they haven't shown that they've done this in the past. That Tressman second year was probably one of the most embarrassing years of football that we saw until now <laughs> so <laughs> it's so like this is where it becomes difficult like we shouldn't have to sit here 
and be talking about the draft or the prospects because we should be sitting here talking about how do some of these young players look, even if the team isn't ready to win. Like, like we should be able to talk about, oh, this is what Justin did. This is where I'm seeing the development here. But because the season is already a lost cause, even if Justin looks like good in one game, down in another, looks good in another, if the Bears are going to have the number one pick, we know what the fate is. We know it's going to be we're starting this all over again. So I think that's the problem with this. And that's where there is this kind of lack of clarity with the coaching staff. And I think that's where we as a fan base want to see change because we want to see it's not the same shit every single time. Because if it is, and this is what we were talking about last week, if we go into the off season, the head coaching search, and it comes out with a coach that the fans aren't really enamored with, we'll be like, oh, this is the same shit again, where they have a successful coach in the building and interview them and they don't hire them because that's what's happened the last couple of times or they haven't brought somebody in that has done well. But yeah, look, I, I hate that we have to constantly go on about this type of stuff, but I think it is a genuine thing that we, we have to talk about because it's the main storyline. I guess for you, do you actually see if the bears do get, I don't know if they lose or they get blown out or if there's like another embarrassing display in some shape or form, do you actually think that the bears might change tactic and actually will move on from Matty Verflus or do you think it's just going to be the same stuff from this organization? They'll wait till the end of the year. I think if I had to put money on it, I'd say they wait till the end of the year, but I'm less confident on that than I was a week or two ago. It feels like the last week, things start really going off to the tracks. Uh, it got to be a bit of a clown show over the last week. The whole Claypool thing, Iberflus for saying that, you know, he had a chance to come in, he chose not to. Then they were told, well, actually, no, we told him not to. Then he had a press conference, which may have been just called the Claypool press conference because they didn't ask about anyone else or any football. It was, it was just mm-hmm. that. And it just... It's you know we have the whole Alan Williams thing kind of was off field stuff that was starting and it's it seems like it's starting to snowball and snowball and it's starting to feel off field stuff is becoming a really really big distraction and normally when your team is bad you want a bit of distraction away from that but not this kind of distraction nah. it's, it's it's really feeling like it's it's becoming a bit of a sideshow now and I don't know I still as I say I still think they hang on they probably will wait until the end of the season. But I'm just not as confident in that now because it is, it's they have become embarrassing. I mean, not just on the field where they have looked horrible. These players look disinterested from the Green Bay game. That's mm-hmm. not right. That's not normal. Especially given the amount of hype there was going into that season where we all thought something could happen. It was not normal looking at them faces on the bench at the Green Bay game. They look checked out already. I don't even know how that's possible. You know, because in fairness to Iberflus, last season when we were losing, it did feel like they were fighting for him. It did feel like they were clawing, you know, for every inch. And they were, you know, I'll, I'll rob that all Al Pacino line from every given Sunday. It felt like that. Like, but for whatever reason, the offseason came and went. And maybe, I don't know, maybe his his acronyms and everything else just got worn out on the guys. And maybe they were just, you know, maybe there's only so many times a head coach can come out and say, we're going back to look at the basics. What, what do you mean they're going back to look at the basics? 
Do you know what I mean? We're, we're two games in at this this stage. You should have been working with these guys. You know, there's the whole question of the preseason. I don't think that's as big as maybe it was blowing up about, but still, mm-hmm. they could have played a bit more. But overall, for me, it just feels like there's a groundswell off this field now that things are getting bad. And this, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, Kevin Moran, this now shows us, you know, is Kevin Moran different? We talk about what the Bears have always done. Well, there's things they haven't always done, and that's bring a, a president out from outside other than, you know, um, God, who was his name? Who was there? Ted Ted Phillips. Someone Ted new Phillips, now has come yeah. in. So they've done something new there. Now, does, does Warren do something new? You know, is, is right. he looking at this thinking, I I just came here. I don't need, I don't want this to be what I'm presiding so, over. We need to do something. So what has to happen for them to make a change, do you think? Because I don't think it's so much stuff on the field because they've seen lots of bad football before. Like we said, we've lost so sorry, Kieran, just, we've just given on that 50 though, points. Just on that, though, I do. Something you mentioned earlier. We're, te- we're like, we're 0-14 now. We're almost... Yeah. A season beaten mm-hmm. that hasn't happened before. This like we are setting so many records now. Chicago Bears records, negative ones. You yeah. know, the biggest comeback in a game from being twenty-one points up. We've just equaled that against the Broncos. The most losses in a row. We haven't conceded less than twenty-five points in any one of those fourteen games. I think we're averaging something like thirty-six or thirty-seven points in those games. Mm-hmm. Like it's we've seen bad football before, but we haven't seen these kind of records being set. We haven't seen this. 14 games, like, Jesus Christ. It's crazy. You think you would look into a win. 14 games, and then Eberflus came out, well, you know, it was only 10 last year. It's really only three this year. We're, like, at the end of the day, we are, what, about 12, no, 10 days or so away from when the last time they won a game. Yeah. It was was mid-October, when we beat the New England Patriots last year, mid October, that even the Bears can't sit back and stand for that. That's like that. That's beyond embarrassing. There's nothing good about that. We we we're averaging less points. Well, actually, I don't know what it is now since the Broncos game. But coming up to the Broncos game, we were averaging like fifteen point something points a game. Whereas last year, that terrible offense was up at sixteen point. Not that that's good, but you mm. know what I mean. Everything has regressed. Everything has regressed on this team. And yeah, at some point, and I think it's coaches. And at some point, they have to look at it and say they have to weigh it up. Like I, I put out that I thought, you know, if Lovey Smith was interested, I would bring him in for the reason mm-hmm. that he obviously plays a similar defense to Matt Eberflus because you can't bring someone in who plays a three-four or you know, or something yeah. different. Like you can't, you can't. That's a culture shock to the players in the middle of a season. You can't do that. I would bring someone like that in because they can kind of slide in a respected head coach. Now, I'm just using Lovey as an example. Obviously, Lovey is the past, and I, I don't know if he's interested or if they even want to. But someone like that I would bring in just because they need to get a grip of this organization on and off the field now. But you still have to have someone who can be similar to Iberflus because you can't go changing the defensive scheme midseason. Yeah, like it, it, just to, for clarification, the last. The last win for the Bears was the 25th of October, 2022. It's currently the 4th of October, 2023. So we're very, very close from going for a calendar year. But at the end of the day, this is... It is a problem because... And this is why I hate that there's no defensive coordinator because in a normal year, with a normal coaching staff, if you wanted to get rid of somebody, 
there's someone there to take over. Like you'd have somebody on offense, you'd have someone on defense. This is the problem about us not having a defensive coordinator. And this is where people are actually right in saying who can take over. And this is why I have kind of, I did it in jest for like two or three weeks and putting like, uh, tweets out about lovey smith and he's the only man that can save us right now but i do i do agree like if you're gonna change something in the coaching stuff you need to get a coach that can kind of get through to the players but then it comes back to my question is what do you want to see at the end of the year do you want to see wins or do you want to see losses to get that number one pick and i, I think that's something that i've been seeing I want to see yeah. competent coaching. Look, I'm not expecting anything out of this season now. They're not getting anything out of this season. But I just want to see a team that isn't the absolute bottom of the barrel of the NFL laughing stock on and off the field. And sorry, I see a few popping like like this here with uh, Hightower. Or over, or that's how it, over Getsy. Sorry, so I've seen Getsy being named as well. Getsy's struggling to be an OC at the moment. He's mm-hmm. still learning to trade as an OC. You can't have him as a head coach. But and the then thing you have is, he, he, he's the head he, coach. Do you then have to bring in another OC? But he, <laughs> or is he, he going to call and be head coach? You can't do that. Like He he will be. If Iberflus did get fired, it would be Getsy. And this is why I'm telling you. That would worry me. Who did, who did they send to the senior bowl last year? Yeah, Getsy was there. Yeah. It's Getsy. They are... They've been trying to help, obviously, and they'll always try and do this to help young coaches to get experience to be a head coach. I'm telling you, if they do, if they did yeah, fire, that, that, that would worry be me because at the moment he's struggling at being a, a first time play caller as an OC, and to put him as a head coach. And then what do you do? Do you go out and find another OC to come in and call the players, or is he going to be a head coach calling the play? Like Jesus, he only has one semi-competent game this year, and that's the last one. Like, leave him there and let him keep trying to develop that. Hopefully, it's it's a good sign and it's going to keep going forward. Mm-hmm. But as a head coach, I mean, c- come on. <laughs> and I just want to address uh, one or two comments here. And this hiring Lovey is going backwards, dumb idea, and then continues. We need an experienced offensive head coach and new quarterback. Yet yeah, that's not happening in the middle of the season. Not middle of the season. Lovey, like, we're not talking about at the end. We're not of talking the... about Lovey being there for the next five years. We're talking about Lovey being there for. Well, I am. That, until that's my week, Until week seventeen. Until the end of the season, and he's a coach who has a similar defensive scheme as Eberflu. So you're not changing that completely. The players are still getting a similar scheme to what they're playing now. So that's not a culture shock to them. And he's a respected head coach who you think could at least get a bit of competency into what's happening in that building. Because Iberflus mm-hmm. last week looked absolutely rudderless. He stood up in front of that press conference and he didn't know what he was saying. He couldn't control it. They were they were peppering questions. And I'm fair play to the journalists because the, the questions needed to be asked, but he couldn't control it. And he he was he, he was stood there lost. And I, I do feel sorry for him. I, he seems like a nice man. This isn't a personal thing. I don't know him, obviously. But as the head coach of this football team, he's drowning at the moment. He he really that, is. That, and you just want a bit of experience just to see it out to the end of the season. Then you bring in your new coaching staff and you do what you need to do. Lovey Smith, look, I don't, who knows if he would even be interested in being an interim head probably coach. Not, probably if not. No, probably not. But it was just an, he was just an example I threw out there as someone who you don't have to change everything around to bring him in. And he has a bit yeah. of gravitas and a bit of bit of you would think a bit of control there on players, you know. Or, and being a former honest. bear who got them to the Super Bowl, maybe there's a bit of respect there from these players that wouldn't be there for Eberflus. 
or honestly, it doesn't even you don't even have to make a major move like that. Like if Iberflus did get fired, this is what like I said, I keep saying this that there's no defensive coordinator. But like even if you did something where if it was Getzi or if it was High Terror, and then you brought someone in like Rod Marinelli to run the defense and to do something. I, I I don't know how it works. This is why I keep saying that if it was me, I would fire Iberflus because like you say, he looks rudderless during the game. He doesn't know how to kind of answer questions and be honest in terms of answer and actually not treat the fans like they're fucking idiots. Like that's it's the that's worst how, kind that's of how coach speak week in, week out from him. The worst kind it, of coach speak. It's pointless it, these press it's, conferences. It's the stuff that he says, and every single fan is like, that's bullshit right there. I'm like, I that's what I said last week and why it, it has got to the embarrassing stage. I think more off the field than just on the field, because look. They made mistakes that made them lose the game. But there were good things in terms of what we saw against the Denver Broncos. But it's what came after where the whole Chase Claypool thing. And I said it, there's like there was only two or three choices. The fact that they have to re-clarify something the head coach said in, in, in a press conference tells me two things. One, the head coach knew about it and he or he lied that and he lied. Or what's maybe even worse is that he didn't even know he about it. Know. And, he, and he's the head coach he's of the head coach, football yeah. team. And can and I just say about Eberflus as well, Kieran? as well as all that, also his he's calling the defense and his defense is dog shit. Yeah. So that's another strike against him. Do you know, and, 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 I, and I feel bad saying it because like, he probably is a really nice man, but like this team is struggling and he is struggling terribly. Even you talked about it earlier that, you know, going for it on, on fourth down, and then calling the timeout, Jesus Christ! Like it's wasting yeah, it, that timeout, and you're giving the defense time, as you say, to then stack up against you again because they, they've obviously yeah. seen something with you there. Mm-hmm. The, and, and I think not- I think the problem is right though, and this is where I'm actually going to put my honest opinion on what I think is going to happen. I can't see a scenario where Ibrahimovic gets fired midseason, and I know fans don't like it. But yeah, I don't think they will either. The, the, the fact sure. is, even if they did, even if they wanted to, I don't think there's a scenario where you're actually going to be able to get a defensive coordinator in here and still be able to do a property. And that's why I'm like, I would I would have loved in week two that they hired somebody, even if you're promoting someone to the defensive coordinator role. Because then if you wanted to get rid of Iberflus, there's still somebody there that can call the defense. Problem is, if you get rid of Eberflus, you don't have anyone to call the defense, and you have no, to have no, exactly, someone yeah. to call the defense. And so if you're a defensive coordinator, do you want like if the Bears come to you, nah, <laughs> do you want to get nah. in the middle of this clown show? No, no what's you don't. Happen? So what's I do agree, happen? he's not going anywhere. I just I, I think he's way out of his depth at this stage. Like what happens is if this situation was in like week fifty, week fourteen, or week fifteen, it's very straightforward. They get one of the position coaches to do it. But you can't ask a position coach that's never called plays to call plays for what is it, twelve or thirteen more games? That's not fair on their development as a coach. No, exactly. Because them no favor in the future. Yeah, because if that goes pear shaped for them and it looks even worse, well then nobody's going to hire them as yeah. a coordinator, or no one's going to hire them as like a position. Well, they'll probably get hired as position coaches, but like. If a team sees, well, this was his opportunity to be a coordinator, he couldn't do it. That's it. That's a problem. It's not the same situation when we had like Vic Fangio and then Fangio left, and then you had guys like Sean Desai who was getting ready 
to make that jump as a defensive coordinator or as a DC, that's a different situation completely. Like, I don't know what the trajectory was going to be of a guy like Borgonzi, who's the linebackers coach. Lots of people say some nice things about him. Could he call the defense? Maybe. But the problem is, if you do fire Hebrew and get him to call the defense and the defense looks worse, you're fucking up his career as well. Like, they, all of these position coaches know where this is going. And this is why I just think, even as bad as it gets, I don't think the Bears are depending on... I think it depends on what happens off the field. I think if it makes the Bears look extremely embarrassing about different situations that happen off the field, I think that's the only way a change gets made where the Bears basically have no other choice but to make a change. I don't think... I don't think that if they had the opportunity or if they were going to do this, that anything could happen on the field... I don't think that they'd make a change at that point. I think it has to be something where it's kind of like you're putting the name of the Bears into disrepute for the Bears to make a change. And look, it act, if you're looking at it from a realistic point of view, it actually makes sense because if you brought somebody in or if you promoted someone and because this team is a crap show and like the players know it, coordinators probably know it at this point the position coaches know you can't put somebody in a position that is going to affect their future and that's that's the realistic point here and look the problem is we're so early on and the players have zoned out the head coach and it's probably because the head coach hasn't been able to relate to the players in the locker room because there's different types of people in every single team, there's like, what, 53? And then at the start, there's 90, 90 men that they have to be able to get through to. It's very clear that Iberflus has done, hasn't been able to get through to Claypool. And what he's done, and he has all the rights to do what he did in terms of Claypool said something in the media that Iberflus didn't like, and because of that, he's been dropped. And he's not going to play. But the problem is when you have players backing Chase Claypool then in their press conferences and they feel bad for the player rather than like the fact is you're not hearing Justin come out and say, look, Chase did a stupid thing. He he shouldn't have done this. He like he said it in so many words, but it's not like the players have been like the coach was right, blah, blah, blah. They're still talking about, oh, Justin's like, I wish Chase was here. Obviously, Ryan Poles makes all these decisions, but it is interesting that they haven't got rid of Claypool yet. So when that happened and people were talking about that today, my head went turned. I'm like, does Ryan Poles think that? Or does somebody think that this coaching staff isn't going to be here? So can I really trust the decision-making process of the coaching staff? I don't know. I, I think maybe they are just trying to get something for him and eventually they might have to cut him. But who's trying to give them anything? People people are fairly certain. Like if when this yeah. is happening, why would you give anything for him? Like you couldn't. No, you might get a seven. the whole situation is is bizarre. It's just weird. But, it's just it's just but, another part of this clown show at the moment. But but that's the problem, right? It's the off the field stuff. Like that's it. I think that's the real issue here as we look ahead to this commander's game. Like the Commanders aren't this amazing football team, but they're pretty good on the two lines. 
especially defensive line. They're very, very tough. And my biggest worry is if the players' heads aren't all in the game, right, and aren't so focused on trying to beat the opponent. All this talk in the media, all this talk around all these different storylines, when the Bears are on a short week and really they need to be focusing on the game and all the questions are actually not really to do with the game, it's it's a problem. And look, I commend the Chicago media because they went after Eberflus, and rightfully so, because he was given bullshit answers to their questions and they kept peppering them and kept peppering them. And that's what you want from your media because you want to try and get those answers. And look, it's it's one of those things. There's, I just feel like Eberflus reminds me, and it's kind of like I think all of us have played sports to a reasonable level. I think he reminds me of the coach that you hear him speak, but or you he, you hear the coach speak, but you're not listening to what they're saying, right? Like you hear the noise, but it goes one ear out the other because you don't believe in them, right? And that's the, I think that's the biggest problem here. Look, I think. I think it's going to be a tough season the way this is shaping up. I think the conversation we had earlier about what should the Bears, what should Bears fans really want? Honestly, I try and say it to Bears fans is try to enjoy the games when they're there because we know how long the off season can be. And the problem is, even if the Bears make all these changes and all, new coaching staff, new quarterback, all, some of these players that we want to see, we're still not going to know if it's going to work until next year. So like... Like this time we'll, next year, at yeah. least, before you kind of see signs. So like, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, focus on the whole tanking and the draft and stuff when it comes towards, at least until we're in double digits for weeks, <laughs> rather than being in week five and having to think about this. I know it's tough, but... The Bears have put us in this position, but actually as a fan, what I would try and suggest people do is try to enjoy it even a little bit. I know it's tough because like the team's not playing very well, but we all know how long it feels when there's no football. Yeah. Look, I was the Broncos, but hopefully that, that offense kind of uptick is is a sign of things to come over the next few few weeks, few games. Uh, because at least if you're getting some sort of good offensive football. You know, Fields is making things happen. If it's DJ Moore is getting brought into the game, you know, Khalil Herbert had a great game on the ground. He really, some tough yards he ran for, which was, you know, normally he's the, the speed guy, but I thought he, on, on Sunday, he really put his mm-hmm. head down and, and drove forward. Like, so look, if we can at least start getting some offensive football, uh, maybe Tevin Jenkins coming back, you know, solidifies that line a bit. Nate Davis, I think, has looked okay there against Denver. And, you know, each game he'll probably improve that little bit more, having missed the time he has. And that in itself could just be a plus. And if we're looking, if we're getting a few scores and, and the, the offense is exciting, I'm expecting nothing from that defense. I mean, I, I understand that that secondary is decimated by injury. But you know what? That wouldn't be as big a problem if you could get any sort of pressure up front at all. That's the problem. That's the issue. The fact that they can get no pressure up front means that those rookies and those fill-ins at the back are going to be exposed. It's up front. There's no injuries on that D-line, and it's fucking shambles. It's absolutely disgraceful. 
Um, and that's that's the big problem. So I'm not going to expect expect much out of that defense. So if the offense can just step up and maybe keep taking a step each week and look better and put Fields and those guys in a, in a good position to win, hopefully we will get some exciting games out of mm-hmm. it anyway. But yeah. I, I don't hold out much hope. Like, but if we're losing games and we're, you know, I remember under the Nagy, the last the end of the Nagy days, like the defense would give up sixteen, but we'd score nine you know and and if, if that's the way the offense is this year for the rest of the year you know 12 15 you know that that would be horrible but if this little uptick continues then at least maybe we'll get some sort of exciting football because this team at the moment just looks like it's going nowhere yeah look I, that's where i'm just hoping like realistically if you're hoping for the number one pick or to get high in the draft like i'm fine if it gets to the point of where look we're already on for if we go to own five look there's no real point after that if like, it doesn't matter if you're gonna get like i know the lions went the whole like what was it one and six or something and then suddenly got a lot of wins i don't think that's coming for the bears so a very for, very different situation that that was a good line they they were racking they, up 30 odd points in those first three games they were losing games 43 41 kind of thing yeah, they were just but, waiting at the defense to click a bit that offense was already more i know they had a couple of low yeah. scoring games week four week five but by and large that was a good team that was just had a weird start to the season and we can see the development of it now you know we, yeah we we're becoming yeah, like that, but that's the thing, right? Like, I I want to see the Bears look good, especially on offense, because look, it's an offensive driven league. I want to see that there's some pieces there that whether it is with Justin or whether it's with Caleb or whether it's with one of these other quarterbacks that comes out, that like, let's say Chase Claypool's gone, let's say they don't end up extending Darnell Mooney. Well, then it's pretty obvious you're probably going to go for a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. But if you then cherry pick him putting him there, let's say you get your quarterback, like what was it, PFF did like some mock draft already, which is fucking ridiculous. But <laughs> having Caleb Williams and having Marvin Harrison, if you plop them into Chicago next year, is there enough talent there to where we can say, oh, this offense should actually be good? Like that that's the thing that I'm wondering about. I am kind of... I don't want to go through kind of main head coaching candidates. Like I'm a hundred percent positive that Eberflus will not be here next year, but also I want to give some of these guys that are going to be head coaching candidates the whole season to see how they perform. I understand. I hear it all the time in terms of, and I think there was a comment earlier on today about different college coaches. I know people have mentioned the likes of Harbaugh, the likes of, um, Who's the other? Who's the other one that everybody keeps talking about? Is it um, oh, his name is escaping me. Anyway, if it's someone from college, I saw like a list of the top paid kind of college coaches. Are we gonna pay a head coach more than ten million dollars a year? Because that's what they're fucking getting in college. But so if like, you look at the history of the Bears coaches, like Lincoln John Ryan. Fox. They're all yeah, like first-time head coaches. Like they're not. Yeah, like I, I, I think big, what big it money. is is what I think it is is, like, obviously with Caleb Williams and stuff, people say, oh, if you get Lincoln Riley to come in, because obviously he's been kind of like really good with quarterbacks in college and he knows how to call an offense. But the question is, like, 
Arbeer is going to be able to pay that, right? It's the same thing for Harbaugh, right? If you wanted Harbaugh to come in because you believe in him and you think that he can bring in someone like Greg Roman or whatever as an OC that you think is going to work, again, I don't know if that's going to be the way they're going to go. I do think, like, when we look at some of these kind of OCs, like, there's been a bunch of comments here today about Shane Waldron. I think he's been, he's going to be one of those guys everyone's talking about. The name of like Eric Bieniemy will come up again. If it, it, it will, what you call it, the Johnson from uh, the, Lions, the Lions, but also the Eagles, and um, both of those will be some of the head coaching candidates. But there's gonna be defensive guys as well. I'm telling you, there will be. Like, watch the Bears go in and interview Leslie Frazier again because. He was a candidate for getting the job um, last time. So, look, I think at the end of the day, I think it's going to it's gonna be interesting when we get to the end of the season to really go through some of these candidates and who are genuine guys to come back. But, look, as we look ahead, and this is kind of the final thing of the show today, I guess, and, guys, put put your questions in um, in the chat as you, if you want us to go through anything. But... One person that is going to be coming back and is maybe more of a positive is Tevin Jenkins. We finally get to see him coming back. Obviously, Braxton probably being out for, I'd imagine, the season at this rate. Um, but how positive is it that Tevin comes back? Because it might at least allow some more... It might actually not be as, like... We might not see the biggest change in terms of pass protection. It might actually be the running game. We might see kind of get off the ground a little bit because that's been something I've been a bit surprised with. Because last year, they were very good at running the football. And it did kind of start off with the way the offensive line was playing. And look, I think Darnell Wright has done a damn good job as a rookie coming in who's going to miss. He's going to make mistakes against some of these great pass rushers. But as an overall, I think he's been... Really, really good. And finally, getting kind of Tevin Jenkins in there. You can kind of pick who you want at center, whether it be Lucas Patrick or um, Cody Whitehair. But I think it's a, it can only be a positive that the fact that Tevin's been kind of training all week that means that he's probably been healthy for a week or two, which is definitely beneficial when you have a guy that you're not having to push him a little bit too hard when he's just coming back. The way it's sounding, the fact that he did like full practices – He's like he's probably been healthy for a week or two. Yeah, look, hopefully it's a case that you know he didn't need to be out for four weeks, but obviously going on IR, you're mandated four weeks, and, and that's it. As you say, hopefully he, it was maybe a two week injury, and and they just kind of put him on IR to to give him that time to get healthy. But I, I think he's arguably the best O lineman in at the Bears. Like you know, so he is a, he's a massive miss. Him, him and Darnell right, I think. Yeah, well, well, I Darnell is. is still learning his game, but like. You know, somebody with experience mm-hmm. in there. The only problem with him is, unfortunately, he just he, he has those injuries that keep popping up. I mean, he's still young. Hopefully, that's something that maybe, you know, we've all seen players who can kind of start with a few injuries here and there, but they kind of grow out of it. And, and mm-hmm. the problem with him, obviously, was there was, I know it's, it, this isn't a back injury he's out for, but like he had that back injury. So it's something they'll always need to just kind of nurse and, and make sure it's okay. But I think Tevin is a fantastic player. He's just that kind of aggressive, nasty mauler that you want. And as you say, he could do a, a massive job on on the uh, on the run. So I think if he comes back fit and, and ready to go, obviously it's going to take him a week or two to really get up to game speed. But still, 
Unfortunately, Cody Whitehair has, has not had a good season that left guard. So, you know, you can't think Jenkins would do much worse than that. So I think it is a boost from coming in. As you say, Darnell, right? I think he I think he is looking good at times. He is a rookie. He's gonna give up the odd play, the odd kind of penalty. That's fine. I think he's come in and he, he's done really well. I think Larry Borum has done better in the couple of games than I probably thought he would have. I was a little worried when he had to come in. So hopefully he can kind of go along there. But it would just that O line has just you know, we, we've never really seen the guys that he wanted out there. And if they could at least get as many what they consider starters and that all line into it, mm-hmm. you know, we don't need it to be world beaters. We just need them. I mean, there are times... They, they just need, need to be functional. They just need to be functional and average. And Justin Fields can kind of maneuver about and kind of make things happen if he needs to. And at times, like, they, they have given him kind of decent clean pockets. And, you know, with someone like Jenkins coming in, I think that can only get better as he kind of gets up to match fitness. So it is big. Uh, the yeah. more players like that we get back, it's important like for this team to, to to see what they can do. So I think he'll make a difference. And hopefully over the next two weeks, he'll kind of get himself up into full kind of match fitness. Yeah, so there's a couple of questions um, here. This one is one of the shorter ones. Uh, this is going to be a big one is when Tevin is properly inserted into the lineup, do they go with? White hair or Patrick? I think it will be white hair because that was the plan at the start of the year. So I think that is. Well, that's where he spent all off season practicing for like yeah. he was at center. So I, I think there's probably a good chance he goes. Yeah, in I think there, that, yeah. I think that's the the most likely one. This is an interesting one though. I could see Poles and Flues rebuilding the defensive coaching as a scapegoat and a way to give them all one more year. Do you see this as a possibility? I think that's what Flues might. I think I think that's what Flues might say. But Ryan Poles does have to think of his own career. Because I think when you are a head coach and you have and you go on a fourteen game losing streak, which is probably going to be a fifteen game losing streak in a day's time, I as a GM I don't know what polls would be doing to try and kind of scapegoat Flus because at the end of the day, there's not if the, if the players have if the players have zoned out the head coach. The head coach has nothing to come back to, and that's just the way it seems. And look, Poles talks to the players; like they will say stuff to him. Like there, there is, there is times where I think we all think that Poles and Eberflus are kind of one and the same. But at the end of the day, once it comes to a team not performing, Poles knows that he gets one more opportunity to get the head coaching thing right, and it might coincide with him drafting a quarterback which makes it like that's what kind of folk did for Ryan Pace. Like if he fired Matt Nagy the year that they were going to draft Justin Fields, and if he hired a head coach that was an offensive guy that they were trying to mold around Justin Fields, he probably would have got longer in the job. Like honestly, he probably would have stayed. The fact that they kept with Nagy and him, they botched the first year with, with Justin Fields and everybody kind of knew the way they did it was just bizarre compared to every other team that was kind of bringing along their, their young quarterbacks. So then they both got let go. And now I think Pauls is going to know he's not stupid. He knows that Eberflus is probably going to be gone or is probably going to be gone at the end of the year. I can see a reason why Eberflus would make this because he has to come up with some reason why you've had such a tumultuous year, but I don't think Pauls will do that. 
I think Paul's is kind of a very realistic guy. When he comes across, he does come across genuine. I think he'll be disappointed that it didn't work out with Iberflus, and he'll say that because he like he clearly likes Iberflus as a man. But he will tell. I bet you he tells us at the end of the year, it's a results-driven league, and absolutely we and he we have gone through this losing streak and he's gonna put it on himself as well because at the end of the day he is a gm that has overseen an a 15 or a 14 game losing streak so he's gonna have a lot of pressure on as well but it's gonna be interesting drew has this one here and i'll let you take this one no because we have the number one pick next year any scenario where fields keeps his job personally i'm so conflicted he's my favorite player but even the likes of quarterback school view caleb as a can't miss guy yeah, as I say, I'm 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 very similar to Drew. I I love Fields, and my hope was he would develop into that guy, and we use those other two first round picks or whatever they might be if they trade down to to flesh out and fill up other holes. But I think realistically, we talked about it earlier. There is a new mm-hmm. coaching staff coming. I think Flus is already gone in Paul's yeah. mind. There's there's no benefit to Paul's handcuffing himself to Flus. I think that's done. So there's going to be a new coaching staff in, especially if it, if it is an offensive minded head coach. Mm-hmm. they're going to want their quarterback in there. They're not going to want Fields recycled into a third coaching staff, I think. And as people talk about, Caleb Williams is being talked about as this generational can't-miss talent. <clears throat> Excuse me. So for me, if we have the number one pick, I don't see Justin Fields being here. Um, yeah. Could they keep Fields and, and have Caleb Williams behind them? Who knows? You know, he'll still be on his, like, uh, on his like, contract. Uh, like, that could like, happen. Honestly. But I think they're picking, if they have number one pick next year, Caleb Williams will be a bear, I think. Look, I, I I actually do agree. with. I know Tony said this maybe last week or the week before. You don't have to trade Justin Fields or cut him. Like You still have a cheap year in his contract if you wanted to. But I see where Drew's coming from in terms of being conflicted because I am too. A lot of people are because Justin Fields brought a lot of excitement to this fan base when he was drafted as a potential guy where, look, this wasn't like a Mitch Trubisky where like everybody was talking about how Justin Fields was the guy that they wanted to move up for. People were kind of saying it for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Is there any way we can get Justin Fields or are we too far away? But look, it is going to be tough. I I, I can't see any team. Feels um, if it feels doesn't work out and they get rid of him, it's gonna feel like a missed opportunity to everyone mm-hmm. because he has the tools and he has the talent. And then if he goes and balls somewhere else and is just top well, class, that, that's even if sting. that's even if it's not fields, right? Like that's if that happens to anything, that is an indictment on your franchise. That if you go and you trying to develop a young quarterback and it doesn't work at your franchise and then they go somewhere else and it does work, it means that you didn't have the right tools in place. And that's right on you because the decision-making that happened that wasn't on the football field is the reason why you don't have whatever player. And like that's the biggest indictment you, you can say. It was like if when the Titans got or traded for Ryan Tannehill, right? Everybody was like, oh, Tannehill sucks. He can't do anything with the Miami Dolphins. He comes in after Marcus Mariota in for the Tennessee Titans, and he leads them to what? Were they in uh, either the divisional or conference championship? 
um, in the AFC. Like that was an indictment of the Miami Dolphins organization that they drafted Ryan Tannehill in the first round, but yet it took a different team that had different people in place to actually get the most out of that quarterback. Yeah, some, sometimes the, a good player just ends up in the wrong spot, and that's that's yeah. just unfortunate. Some, but Kieran, just just questions there coming in. Can I put a question in, or is it just for the yes? Uh, you you <laughs> no, can put a question in too. Looking at a J2K uh, here, he talks about you know this shit defense has poles all over it. And just a question yep. to you and to to guys out there: Could Kevin Warren put a bit of a shock on us and want his own GM? Do you think there's any possibilities in oh. there at all? Where I'll the be honest. Can look at it and say, let's do it the right way. We've got Kevin mm-hmm. Warren in as, as president. Let him bring his GM and let his GM bring his coach and let his coach and GM bring in their quarterback. Do you think there's any possibility at all? Something like that kind of pops its head. If I was Kevin Warren, I would want to do that because you want to get a guy that is your hire. I don't think there's any way in hell that's going to happen. No, for I don't doubt it, but it would be an interesting one to throw out there and see. Yeah, look, if it, if it was me and you, know, like, let's say it goes to the end of the year, right? Bears suck. They win one or two games, and the Panthers suck. They win one or two games. They have the top two picks in the draft, right? That's one where I'd be like, all right, let's actually change the GM because – it means that you put the head coach and the GM at the same level. Now, I don't think that's what's going to happen for two reasons. One, I think that they're going to give Powell's a bit of time because they do think he's done a, a decent job in terms of drafting and all that sort of stuff. The other thing is they know that Ian Cunningham is probably going to be a GM somewhere this coming off season, and they know but, but this year back. kind of knocked that back a bit. I know last year nah. he'd had a few offers and he kind of nah, chose nah, to nah, stay. Nah. Nah, he, I think I, I, I think he'll the thing is there's a very close circle of talent evaluators out there and they know who the guys are coming through and at the end of the day you see the same names that are interviewing all these same places I think Ian Cunningham is going to get a, a job next year because for GMs they don't look at the football team they look at like the jobs that they've done and they look at what they've done in terms of the draft and all these talent evaluators talk to each other. The GMs talk to each other. The presidents talk to each other. They talk about some of these, these scouts that are coming up through their system. They talk about guys in the front office that are coming up and Cunningham is one. Like he came back this year, but I think you know, it's almost a, certainty that he'll probably go somewhere next year and that'll get the Bears two third round picks. The problem is if the Bears got rid of Pauls and they got rid of him, that's gone straight away. Yeah. You don't get it then. So yeah. that that's that's another thing. I just don't think I think they're gonna give Pauls a chance for him to hang himself, basically, where yeah. he's gonna get that second chance because that's usually GMs get one bad coaching hire and they get one more opportunity. And it's kind of like Ryan Pace had John Fox first, gets rid of him, then has Matt Nagy. Once Matt Nagy's getting fired, so is Pace. I think this is the same situation. No, I agree. And Iberflu's gone, and he gets a chance. Oh, Iberflu's gone, yeah. But in terms of uh, polls as well, it would I, I think it would be madness because you've given him permission to do this big teardown. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? He's he spent the last year, well, last season, just getting rid of everyone and tearing down and starting out the the wage structure and everything, getting that in place. You know, I, I couldn't see it 
you you don't then mid rebuild just say out you go like it's obviously something that was going to take a couple of years anyway. Yeah, but um, yeah, for me, I just I, I thought I'd put the question out there to see what people thought, but I I don't see him going anywhere either. They do seem to like him there. We know about the whole George picking him up from the airport and mm-hmm. and the whole kind of thing. again. So, yeah, these are some easy. of the embarrassing things that this organization does. <laughs> but he's definitely, as you say, GMs generally get their they get their uh, two shots at at their I, GM, at their head coaches. I, I and probably their one quarterback as well. If if he if they do decide to go that way next year, if they have the option. I hate that gimmicky shit when it comes to like picking him up at the airport, get him on a private plane and fly him straight. Like we don't need, uh, I digress. Anyway, uh, some of the other questions that have come in, uh, Bruja asks with the short week, will the O-line that's been practicing as the ones with Justin Fields be the consistent line to start against Mark? I would imagine so. I'd say whoever's been with the ones in practice is likely going to be the ones to play um, this week just because of the short week. I don't think they're going to make too many changes. You can see, like, obviously the big storyline's obviously going to be Chase Claypool's not there, even though he's healthy. But everybody else is either injured or, I don't know, like, we might see Tevin be kind of eased back in. I don't think you, unless somebody gets injured, I don't think that you're just going to be like, all right, Tevin's back. He's going to play every single snap. I don't think that's going to happen. No. I think you probably will see him come in. And especially when they see they have this mini buy, because at the end of the day, Tevin might have been in shape, but that doesn't mean he's in game shape. Like he's not been allowed to practice until this week based on the rules in the NFL. So I think they will ease him in. I don't think that they're going to be starting on straight away tomorrow night and even if he does start i don't think it'll be every single series but what they will is they'll give him some action let him kind of get up and amped for that game and then they know they have a week and a half to prepare for the next game so he does have a chance to then practice with the ones and i think from there you're going to see him and um, really be able to kind of move on from that point this here is an interesting one so Pauls acquires the talent I'm not sure why he's not in the hot seat. It's just the way the NFL works usually that these GMs are usually given more time than the head coaches. Um, We have seen it in previous times when GMs look like they are making all these wrong decisions and then they hit on the quarterback and then suddenly all the bad decisions turn into they're making correct decisions because they start winning. Um, Like I said, I do think, and I, I do agree with this, that the record should be on Pulse's head. Like it is a third, third or a three and 18 like record. And it's embarrassing, but what he should be able to do is he needs to kind of dust this down. He needs to get the head coaching hire. Correct. Cause he knows if he gets that wrong, he's gone. So it's a big thing. Um, let me see some of the other, let me see. Here we go. Can questions be asked of strength and conditioning coaches as a scapegoat for all the injuries, especially ones from collisions ra- from collisions rather than long-term injuries? To be fair, the DBs are decimated. Yeah. Um, the thing is, like, you can, you can say it's strength and conditioning. You, you genuinely can. But typically, it's, it's also random some years. Some years a team is completely decimated at one particular position. And then the next year with the same players doing the same regime, none of them get injured. 
it's like think about it right like what is it la this year braxton jones is likely out because he because he got some neck injury right he played the whole he played every single snap last year so it can literally be a fluke now if it's happening every single year it's constantly soft tissue injuries well then there's something wrong in the training regime but i don't know about you but i don't remember loads of soft tissue injuries last year i don't even think the bears were that decimated like no i don't think they were not not like this year anyway no um see brisker now today as well was added to the list he looks well questionable is it i don't know if there's any mean update to that since this is like this is the joe this is what we were talking about a little bit earlier what if the bears are not in position to get williams in the draft and this is where this is where i kind of come to is like if this offense improves right even and it looks quite good and you're able to win a couple of games and the Panthers don't put you in a position for the number one pick. This is a question we will be talking about all the time on the show. It's we spent quite a lot of time today talking about it, that that's when you have to weigh up the pros and the cons of, well, is it better for the bears to just get the best overall talent? If that is like fashion, new of the left tackle or Jared first, the edge rusher or, Marvin Harrison Jr. over one of these second quarterbacks. And look, that is going to be an interesting one. Uh, it's always going to be hard until we get to that point. Like every single year, guys get pushed up the board all the time at quarterback. And the likelihood is that'll probably happen, but it's going to be interesting. Um, so the, a lot of people talking about if different teams had fields, there'd be a pro bowler. Bruja says Matt Stafford is a perfect example of one player leaving an organization and then making and you can even say the opposite jared goff has looked better with the, the structure the lines have built because the lions have attacked the offensive and defensive lines so it works well for them and they bring in jared goff and he just needs to make correct decisions and he looks good so and that is an indictment on the la rams as well i think if nobody talks about it because they won a super bowl with matt stafford but if they didn't win a Super Bowl with Matt Stafford, let's say they lost that year, people would be talking about the LA Rams and being like, did they make a mistake trading away Jared Goff, who now the Lions look really good? So like that's that's the that's one of the problem there. Um another interesting one. Let's say Harbaugh is interested in coming to Chicago, but he wants to be head coach and GM. Would you hire him? I'll let you take this one now. <laughs> if he says he wants that's control. Oh, I know. So I was thinking, actually, it's a great question. I was thinking this earlier on, like if we were talking about, you know, college coaches and money and my thought was, well, Harbour might not, might not just be money with him. He might want control. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you know what? I probably would. Harbour was the one I wanted before Eberflus came in. I think, you know, My, if you bring in, I well, actually, whether Fields is here or you bring in a young quarterback, I think Harbar could be a good guy to have there. Oh no, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't like giving that much power though to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, because actually, because um, I I understand the question you know. <laughs> because the reason why I understand it and it is probably a talking point when we do get close to the end of the season because look, his name is going to come up. I think. 
genuinely, I do think that he is going to be an option because you you just have to look at Kevin Warren as well. He knows these guys from college, knows some of these coaches. There will be links with coaches from the collegiate game because that's who Kevin Warren knows. Because obviously, look, he worked in Minnesota. He's worked in other NFL buildings. But his most recent big job was in college football. And even though he's not, he wasn't like for a specific team, right? Like it's being in the big 10 conference and stuff like that. Like he builds relationships and that's what this is about. So I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I don't particularly like having a GM and head coach be the same. Now you could convince me if he was just had a big say in how, players were brought in um in terms of if polls was still there that him and harbaugh would be kind of he would be a big decision maker like like, let's say ian cunningham left and instead of hiring another assistant gm that harbaugh would have that say and say like this is what fits my system this is who i want this is who i want to draw i'm cool with that because you still have that gm there in case something goes wrong and then if it goes wrong and you need to get rid, you still have Kevin Warren who has the relationship with both parties. Uh, I think as we get closer to it, I think we'll be so desperate to have someone we actually truly believe in. I think Chicago Bears fans would be really excited if Harbaugh was the coach. I really do think so. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. Last time it seemed like he had an interview that wasn't an official interview with the Bears. And I don't know if it was down to money or if it was down to the control element of it. But again, uh, he has a good relationship with people in the Bears organization who are going to be decision makers. So he's going to be a name that will that will pop up. And let's see if there's any other interesting ones. So... Uh, Okay, so here's a question. The main problem this year is that there were expectations of progress that haven't happened. Is this on polls for a lack of talent or flus for a lack of coaching and coaching players up? My first thought... I I, I think this... And and I know it's crazy to say because everything looks like it's regressed. I still think man for man, this is probably a more talented roster. It should be. It should be. Well, yes. It, on paper, it looks like it's a more talented roster than last year. So for me, a lot of it, look, everyone has their part to play in this. It's, it's a big pie and they've all got a bit of it. But I think coaching is the main killer. As you said a million times, week one, these players look like they were out on this coaching staff. Something just doesn't seem to be right with Flus. You know, the offense hasn't looked great. Defense has been a shambles. Now you can put that down. Is it, you know, the players brought in by Pauls? Partly, probably, but I still think mm-hmm. these players should have been better than they're showing. And for me, that falls on coaches. And Flus, as I've said, the last week looks out of his depth. So for me, Flus and his coaching staff get the bigger amount, but everyone has their part to play in this fiasco at okay. the moment. Let, let's finish with this question because we have spoken about this before. And typically, I think even when we did the whole conversations about the coaching last time when Flus got brought in 
this is something you truly that you believe in. You don't like having it where it's a first time head coach, um, or a first time coordinator. Not, I, not when I, you've I, got I, a young quarterback to develop. No. Yeah, I, I I don't mind so much the first time coordinators because I think you always have to give somebody an opportunity, and typically. If you're looking at a second-time coordinator, it's probably because somebody failed somewhere else. Mm. Um, so I don't mind hiring a first-time coordinator, but I think in the position that the Bears are in, I actually think they need a coach. If we believe that the talent is better than the performances we've seen, I think you need an experienced coach to come in here that the players are going to believe in. That they're re- that you can see this, and that's why I think Harbaugh's name always comes up because he's done it at different levels. He's someone that players will respect, but again, at the at the same time, it's he will have to bring in good coaches around. Right, he he needs to be able to do it. There, there's going to be certain people, and like this is the same kind of the same thing that we were talking about two years ago. People talked about. Caldwell at head coach, Pep Hamilton at offensive coordinator. This is just giving me deja vu, deja vu, because <laughs> it was the same conversations we had two years the ago. There is round and round, and it's still the same thing. But that's what I'm saying, right? Like at the end of the day, if you really believe that you are, if you're trying to move this forward, I don't particularly mind. Let's say if they have the number one overall pick, and they've decided they're going to probably move on from Justin. Which is fair enough. Um, I don't mind if they if you're gonna pick a first time head coach as long as the first time head coach is is not going to be a defensive guy. And because the problem is with first time head coaches, they typically can't build the staff they want because they don't have the relationships, and that's the that's the problem there. If you can get in a good like even if it is a first time OC, like everyone's gonna say. The guy in was it Johnson in in Detroit or in or the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks? Now Shane Waldron is an interesting one because he's been at different organizations and has had good success in many of those organizations. But like, I think the whole thing is it can't just be a focus on just the head coach. It's the staff has to be right, and the problem is I think Eberflus got the staff wrong. Because he hired a guy in Getsy that never done it before. And when you don't have a head coach that is an offensive guy, you are trusting a first-time offensive coordinator to basically run the entire offense because you have no say in what happens in the offense. That's where I struggle. The one thing I know people don't like Harbaugh for some of the things that he comes out with and the kind of power he looks for the one thing he does do is he builds a good staff and that's a big thing. And like, would I be pissed if the bears went out and got like, let's say a second time head coach and a guy that has been here before in like Vic Fangio, but he has good relationships with really good offensive coordinators and really good other like guys to play in the defense. I'm like, all right, kind of get it. Like the coach think that he kind of got a raw deal because he's, quarterbacks were like Brad, what was it Osweiler and all them um and Drew Locke and stuff like that I'm like oh, okay you can convince me but typically I would want to have someone with experience because I feel like that's what this locker room needs someone that 
can build an offense, can build a good offensive staff and can push this team forward. Because if we're talking about this team where we're saying individual on paper, they should be performing better. Well, <laughs> the issue then is if you are going to bring in this first time guy, if, you, if they can't command this room, if they can't be that leader, well then the the whole thing is going up in flames because the GM will be gone, the head coach will be gone, and typically if you go and get Caleb Williams at this time, he's probably gonna probably gonna have this conversation about him in three or four years time because the only way he, if it's Caleb Williams, the only way he is going to be productive with the Chicago Bears is if that infrastructure to help his development is there. It's the same thing with Justin. If you believed in Justin Fields, the fact is the Bears didn't surround him with the proper coaching, the proper protection, the proper weapons. Like we talk about it here, like he has DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, um, Tanya and Mooney, all this now. It's too late. He's in his third year, right? Like where we should have seen improvements is towards the end of his rookie season going into year two. But year two, you're tearing back the whole roster. That's not how you develop a young rookie quarterback. You do it how the Texans are doing it. Their teardown year was last year when they were about to draft a, a quarterback. So then they draft a quarterback. They draft the best edge rusher that was in the draft class. They bring in other guys to help improve the nucleus of their team. They give the quarterback a chance to start, and then he builds on it, and they look better. And that's what I think is something that the Bears have missed for a long period of time. So if you're planning on whether you're sticking with Justin or whether you're going to draft a, a quarterback in the draft, in this upcoming draft, as we said about an hour ago, it all starts with the infrastructure around the quarterback. It all starts with, will you get the right head coach? Will you get the right offensive coordinator? Do these people that you've added actually help young quarterbacks? Will you will you focus some of your attention when it comes to this upcoming free agency class on the two on the line of scrimmage? Will you get more offensive linemen in? Will you get more defensive linemen in? Because that's the only way this team is going to get better. That's it's no surprise that Jared Goff looks good in the Lions uniform because their offensive line and their defensive line that's where the strength of their team is, and that's what you have to look at. Like Seattle struggled in that last year with Russell Wilson, right? Gino looked really good last year, and he's looked good this year. It's no surprise they drafted a left tackle and a right tackle that worked, so their offensive line improved. Russell Wilson was running for his life every single year he was with the Seattle Seahawks, and he was able to make he was able to make it work there because he was special early in his career. So at the end of the day, I think regardless of what we want, whether it's Justin, whether it's Caleb, whether it's Sanders, whether it's May, whether it's whoever, don't care. You can say whatever name you want. Unless the Bears get the coaching sorted and kind of what you said, if you're going to try and build with a young quarterback, you either need to have an offensive guy that comes in like we've seen in the Miami Dolphins, first time head coach there, but it's worked. Or you need to have someone with experience that can build a staff like a Harbaugh or something like that, where you can kind of, the fan base can go into the offseason and be like, 
we at least believe in the coaching staff because let's be real when it was Eberflus, we were so excited about all the different possibilities it could be and when that came out we were kind of like huh okay hope it works hope the oc is going to be great they get get to you like i hope it's gonna be good we he, uh, maybe this is the guy that was up with he helped improve Devontae Adams when he was the wide receiver coach. He's obviously been able to get through to Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully he can do that with Justin Fields and did work. Or it hasn't worked up to now. So I think that's I think that's the main thing, right? Like and it's kind of what you think, um, Noel, because you always say that you want kind of more experience. But again, I it's not to the point of where you just hire someone for experience sake because then we no. kind of land with like John I mean, for Fox me and it was stuff. experience it was last year I wanted experience because of Justin Fields so I didn't yeah. care if you got a, a defensive or offensive head coach get the best man for head coach that's what you need to do but if mm-hmm. they done what they did and they went for a defensive head coach I wanted an experience OC or if you got an experienced head coach who was or an offensive coordinator who was into a head coach then fine, you could maybe go for that inexperienced offensive coordinator then under him. But mm-hmm. I just thought we were at such a pivotal moment with Justin Fields' career to find out if this guy is who we hoped he would be. You needed someone there who had experience to, to guide him, and they didn't do that. And we see the fruits of that labor now. It's a mess. Yeah. And we're still, like Jesus Christ, we're, he's in his tour year, and we're still questioning whether he's the guy or not. We should know by now one way or another, but we don't because it's the Bears. We're still here asking questions. Like every season, the last couple of years, we're going in saying, well, the most important thing this season is by the end of it, we know who Justin Fields is. And we never know. You know, and that's why I just thought where he is, there the needed to be experienced. And I feel the same now next year because if he's not here and we get Caleb Williams, there needs to be experience there to guide him as well. So I, I don't know. But look, you said it earlier. This is a massive one for for Pauls now, because this is his last hire. Like he can't yeah. mess about on this one. This one has to be the one for him. Mm-hmm. And if you do get that quarterback, the Bears can't destroy another young quarterback. I mean, like we're on. This will be our tour. If it happens, our toured first round quarterback in nine years. Yeah, eight like, years, fifteen, uh, mother. Uh, yeah. So it'll be it nine 15? years and twenty four then. Yeah. That's can't do it. Like, that's that's the thing. Like at some point in time, like I blame an organization for constantly going for guys and free agency and trying to trade for guys like they did before. I applauded them for like trying to go for it when it went to Trubisky and then going up to get Fields. Like you have to keep. It, it sucks, but you have to keep trying because. But if you Until get that you get quarterback, right. you can't put you, you need to put pieces around him then. There's no point in trading all these picks to go up for Justin Fields and then not supporting him when he comes into your building. What's the think, point? You're wasting your picks about, and you're wasting his about career. It. Right. Think about it. Why was Patrick Mahomes why did it work so seamlessly for Patrick Mahomes? Because Andy Reid was there and he and he had a good offensive staff where they had an okay player in front of him and Alex Smith that could get them through the season. And then once they knew that Mahomes knew the playbook, when he knew what he had to do, they gave him the opportunity to blossom and he hasn't looked back. And that's kind of what you have to hope for. You have to hope for that 
you can bring in someone. And that's why, look, I mentioned Harbaugh just because he's one of the names. I don't care who it is. But you need to make sure that you have a coach that can actually surround whoever it is. Because Justin is still going to be young. Even if you do hold on to him and you don't want to go the quarterback route, because we don't know how Poles feels. Poles might believe in Justin. He may not. But at the end of the day, like they've got Sorry, to be able to make that you just decision. Don't want to be going into his fourth year still asking who is he? That's the problem. Do you know what I mean? That's that's beyond incompetent. Then that's just ridiculous. If we go into his fourth season, we don't draft another quarterback for whatever reason. Maybe we don't get the number one or two or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we go into season four of Justin Fields saying, you know, the most important thing this season is we know who Justin is by the end of his fourth season. Like they just need to get a grip of this quarterback thing because it is a quarterback driven league and they, you know, they lost a lot of games to find themselves in a really good position to finally sort this issue out and they're still messing it up. And they just so Poles needs to make this next pick correct because they need to sort it out one way or another. They need to either know who Justin Fields is as their starting quarterback or if he's not then, you know, they need to be looking at maybe the rookie quarterback coming in next year and they need to surround mm-hmm. him because in two or three years from now, we don't want to be saying, well, the most important thing this season is to find out who Caleb Williams is, you know, two, three years into his career, if he's a bear. See, that, see that's the problem, right? Like, I think the two most important decisions, not just for Ryan Pauls, but really for the future of the Chicago Bears, are who's going to be the head coach coming into next year and who's going to be the quarterback because those are the two... If you get them right, you've probably set this franchise up for the next 20 years or 10 to 15 years. But if you get them wrong, you set the franchise back 10 years to where they can't get over it, where they're going to be stuck in the same, either the cycle we're currently in now, or you're going to be stuck in the new cycle where it still hasn't worked. And if it doesn't, and this is why it's so difficult, where the whole thing with Justin because let's say Ryan Pauls hires, I don't know, Jim Harbaugh, right? doesn't matter. He hires him and they both agree that, look, we have the number one overall pick. We have to pick Caleb Williams. Okay, most fans will be on board with that. But let's say three years in, it doesn't work and the Bears are still losing football games. And then suddenly you're like, okay, well, now we need to fire Ryan Pauls and Harbaugh or insert whatever coach name. Well, then you're inserting another GM and another head coach that are where they have to have whoever is the quarterback, whether it be Williams, whether it be, I don't know, Drake May, or whether it be Justin. You're then kind of forcing someone else's hand. So really, the decisions this offseason have to be correct. They have to hit on the head coach. They have to hit on the quarterback, either choosing that Justin is the guy they want to move forward with or that they want to move forward with a new guy. But those two decisions have to be perfect because if they're not, this franchise is screwed because they're not going to be able to overturn it. We were set up because we thought we had the quarterback. We were able to trade from the number one pick. That allowed us to get a number one receiver who now the Panthers are looking for one. And it also allowed us to rebuild for the next draft and with all the cap space that has come with it these last two years and or last year and now this year, like this is such an important off season. And 
we will not have to stress this enough when we get to that point. But this literally is make or break for the Bears. They have to get these decisions right because if they don't, this franchise is going to be stuck for years because they're not going to be in a position to be able to do this again. They're in this position because, look, they've sucked on the field. But there are some points where you can say, is there light at the end of the tunnel? Maybe. But the problem is we're not going to know that until the end of the season because we're not going to know we have the number one pick. And if if we don't, well, then the question is, well, are these other quarterbacks going to help us more than sticking with Justin? And then if you stick with Justin and it doesn't work out, where the hell are you getting the quarterback the next time? Right, and, and these are some of the scenarios that they will be talking about within the building because they need to know how are we going to start winning football games because that's the only thing they should care about in that building. Start winning football games. Start making it fun for the fan base. Start like Stop having it every single year when it's week six, week seven, week eight, and the fan base is like, well, better get, get looking forward to hockey season because there's nothing happening with the Bears. Like, this is what needs to change. Like Bears fans deserve to have a team that they can enjoy throughout the season and at least have meaningful football games in December and January. But that doesn't happen anymore. The last time that that happened was the first year with Nagy. And before that, it was probably the Super Bowl year with Lovey. I know there was that one year with Trasman where there was a couple of them. But when we can pick out three or four seasons within a 25-year period that's a big problem that's a really big problem and they need to fix it when you see other rivals just look at the vikings i started watching the series quarterback right because i i because everybody was talking about how kirk cousins kind of was one of these guys that looked really good on the camera but what i actually took from so far what i've seen in the in that series is what it did for the fan base that year for the vikings Nobody knew that everybody was like, they're not real contenders and stuff, but it was exciting because their team made the playoffs. And like, it hasn't been 10 years or six or seven years since they made the playoffs last. We can talk about games they were unlucky in the playoffs in recent years. Like, this is the problem. They, everybody in that building, when they change the head coach, I think at the end of the year, their sole focus should be which head coach helps us win football games. Which quarterback will help us win football games? Which one will make the Bears fans actually be proud of this team and not be the laughing stock around the NFL? Because that's what this team is. They're a laughing stock. And we end up laughing at them as well because I always say sometimes if you don't laugh, you'll cry with how annoying <laughs> this team has been. And look, I I hope. With the way this goes, I, look, I don't I don't know how my opinion is going to change in a couple of weeks. The Bears go like 0-7 or 0-8. I'll be like, fucking blow it all up. Just just leave it to where they're not going to win another football game and they can make all this change. But honestly, right now, because we're still early in the season, I want to see, even if it's a game where we can enjoy the offense, I hate losing. I really do. We, we said it last year. Oh, the loot. The losing suck, but maybe it was to help this team move forward. Like, if they're going to lose all these games, okay, fine, but then you get better be damn sure that Caleb Williams is the guy moving forward. Because I'm, I do not want to go through another season where in week five, we're like, well, season's over. 
what do we do now? Like, this is not how a fan should want to be. Like, I hate the whole thing when it's week four or week five. You're like, well, hopefully the team keeps losing so they can tank for the number one overall pick. Because that fucking sucks. We had to do this last year. I can't, I can't I don't do, that. do it. Last year, they got a pass because of everything that was in it. We felt like, you know, they have a plan. They're knocking it down. We're going to give them this year to build it up. I can't I can't do that a second. They, they won't have, obviously, they don't get that grace period this year. Last year was a special case. This year, it's now, draining. you know, you're not expecting a Super Bowl, but you're expecting that next step moving forward. And it hasn't happened. Now, look, I hope I'm wrong in everything I said about Eberflus. I hope they win tomorrow and they go on a run and they win the next 10 games. And that would be great. I just don't see it. But at this point, I just want them to win some games. I, I get what people, I, I don't know if genu- genuinely people want them to lose out for the number one. I can't do it. I find it hard to do it in a week. Uh, I'll 14 be honest, or 15. I can't do it now. I want to see mm-hmm. games won. And I hope they turn it around. And I hope Iberflus proves me wrong. And he is a great head coach. But I, I just don't see it happening. But I just, over the next few weeks, I just want some decent football with a team who are in games. And I want them to win some games. I'm not worried. Like, I know we've talked about the draft a lot. But in terms of results, I'm not worried about the draft. And, and not I, yet. I, I just want to see wins. Now the thing the thing is and right whatever will happen will happen in April. Best case scenario, realistically for the Bears, is the Bears show improvement that they show that they are a team on the up, and the Carolina Panthers lose every game. That's the, that's yes. the ideal thing for the Bears is that you can make that decision on whatever you want for your quarterback because you made a good decision last year to trade the pick with the Carolina Panthers. That's the ideal scenario. And I will say this, if you are a Bears fan, you better hope that Bryce Young comes back because with Andy Dalton, they're probably more likely to win three or four or five games this year. And you need them to, to pretty much lose out. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's an interesting one that we'll be following throughout the season to see kind of how this goes in. And look, I know we will, you guys will see us talk about quite a lot towards the end of the season about these head coaches, about the guys in the draft. Like there will be quite a lot of episodes of this podcast where we will devote a lot of time like today and on these, but I would prefer to be able to devote the one hour or two hours that we talk here. Cause again, we have most of the time we do kind of one or two long shows in, in the week. I'd rather talk about a game where I've seen improvement from the Bears, a game that excited me, a game where I felt like it was fun to be a fan and actually enjoy because enjoy coming on and having these conversations because guys, for us as a fan base, like it's it kind of sucks when you have to kind of come up with like, oh, we're gonna talk about the draft, we're gonna talk about the potential head coach, knowing there's still 12 or 13 weeks left in the season. Like that, I think that's the biggest problem. I think if we can go through the next couple of weeks, and even if the Bears lose, if it was like, and I don't mind the Bears losing to a genuinely a better team, right? That's fine. But when you lose to a team like the Denver Broncos, where you were up by like what twenty something points, that that's where I I can't have that happen because then even if you were going to keep some of these young players, they have the propensity to or to kind of know what they've done in the past and that's loose. Like I want to see this team kind of build on something. And 
like I said, ideal situation is Bears start to develop some of these young players that they do have. Like Darnell Wright starts looking like a beast. That Justin Fields looks good, or Roshan Johnson looks good, Tyreek Stevenson, one or two of these defensive linemen, some of the linebackers that we brought in start looking good because then we have confidence where there is a nucleus of a team where we can be like, okay, next year we can actually improve. And then, like I said, the Carolina Panthers are the shit show of the league. That's kind of what you're looking for. But right now it's kind of difficult to know where that is. But look, it's exciting that we have tomorrow night to be able to watch the game. Um, We will talk about that game and kind of the mini buy and what we'll be talking about probably after the weekend um depending <laughs> depending on schedules of some of the lads on on the show here but it's going to be an interesting one tomorrow night where we get to see can the bears players actually come out and put in a performance that they should be proud of or have they completely given up on their head coach we have we have the opinion that they've probably given up but it's it's going to be interesting to see cuz again talk is cheap it all comes down to how they perform first four weeks they haven't really performed as a unit um perfectly well they looked a little bit better at the weekend let's hope they can kind of build on that success and actually have a game where it's exciting and we even if the defense sucks like they have at least when we see the team come out on offense we're like okay well at least this looks quite good that's what i'm hoping for um Guys, we appreciate all the comments, all the questions. It's been great kind of doing this and kind of getting to talk it through a little bit because I know if you if you just go on like Twitter for a day, it's just been so negative all week. I haven't even I haven't tweeted that much because honestly, I just can't deal with all the, the negative stuff and everything. So it's been really nice kind of coming on here, getting you guys in, in the comments, getting your questions in, getting your opinions in and kind of going through this season together and seeing how this goes. Um I think it's it's been it's been fun this week. We saw a little improvement in Denver. Let's hope we see a bigger improvement against the commanders tomorrow night. Um but like I said guys we really appreciate you guys listening to the show joining us on YouTube. If you guys are listening to this back on YouTube or if you're listening to this back on audio make sure that you follow us over on Twitter because it's where you'll get all the updates for the upcoming episodes. And also make sure that you subscribe to us over on YouTube so you don't miss any of this because, again, these kind of conversations can go in a way of where you guys want them to go. So if you guys have certain questions that you want to be brought up or if you want to talk about a certain coaching point, if you want to talk about a certain player, a certain scenario, this is the forum that we want you guys to be able to discuss those and to have your opinions heard. And so we do appreciate all you guys joining us. And until next time, all we can say is bear down. Bear down.